What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the third and maybe for you, thankfully, the final installment of this three-day uh, voyage that we have taken in the podcast world. Uh, I'm your host, Justin Russo, for Clip and Roll. I am Mirbad Farbad Esnashari. And, you know, I was going to introduce... Just introduce yourself, Shane. I am young NBA, NBA young boy, as they like to call me in the streets. Shane that Young. And I, I'm back. I'm back and better than ever. Do you know, you know what, what I just, the young boy is in wrestling? No, 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 I don't. It's like it's it's like the guy they excuse my cursing, but it's it's basically like the bitch boy they make to do everything. Wow, first time for it, everything, it I guess. It's a very very popular term that basically every single every single young wrestler that goes in Japan gets they get treated as a young boy. It's like a rookie, and they have I, to do I, every single thing. I choose, I choose to be Shane O'Mac. That's what I there choose to be. There we go. Um, I just realized, by the way, when you just introduced yourself and then put like your Twitter handle and stuff that uh, I never actually did that in the first two podcasts. So I apologize. So for Horrible. anyone who's made it to level to level three, Jesus, I'm like kind of video game <laughs> at this point. So anybody's made it to level three and podcast three at level three, uh, you know where to follow Shane, where to follow Shane now. Oh, my God. Anyways. We're here to talk about the second half schedule and the second half part of the season for the Los Angeles Clippers, which spans 34 games. I don't know how many days. I did not do the math. I think it's like 65, just eyeballing it right now. Um, wait, 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 wait. Shane, can you uh, give me your nickname one more time? Shane O'Mac, NBA Young Boy. Okay, stop, 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 stop. We're not hijacking. You're not hijacking this. Anyways, their season, second half of the season starts March 11th at home against Golden State. I hate you, Farbad. Shut up. Uh, it ends May 16th at Oklahoma City, which is a Sunday, which I do not recall the last time the NBA's regular season ended on a Sunday. Usually it's a Thursday. So that's interesting. Um, actually, their last game is against the Knicks, and they've never ended against the Knicks. No, their last their la- oh their last home game is against the Knicks. Yeah, yes. they never they never end it against the Knicks. The Knicks are always in like January, and they always end it against like the Lakers or the Kings. Wait, do they always end on a Thursday on a Thursday or is it a Wednesday? I think it's a Wednesday, right? The NBA usually ends on Probably a Wednesday because like, right? like the last couple games, it's every year that I've been there for like the last ten years. The Sunday of the regular season always always on like WrestleMania weekend and there's only like one or two home games after that. And it's like Monday, Wednesday, that Sunday is always the Lakers. And then like that Monday, Wednesday is like the Kings and maybe someone else. Hmm. Um, so yeah, 34 games for the Clippers. 
Um, there's a lot of interesting stretches in here. You know, uh, after they play Golden State on March 11th, they have three straight road games at New Orleans on the 14th, at Dallas on the 15th, and at Dallas again on the 17th. They then come home for two. They then go on the road for a back-to-back against San Antonio on both nights. They then come home for what we will discuss in a little bit, which is just an unfathomable nine-game homestand, which is I don't think I've ever seen in the history of the NBA. They then go on the road for three games, come back for one, and then to basically road home, and then uh, road for three, home for four. They finish on the road for four. I understand I described that in a very weird way. Don't worry. It doesn't matter right now. It's 34 games. It's like 65, 66 days. Um As things stand, the Clippers only have seven back-to-backs in the second half of the season. That is tied with the Brooklyn Nets for the second fewest. Only the Knicks play fewer. They play six. So that means every other team in the NBA plays at least eight, nine, 10, or 11. The two teams with 11 are the two teams you would expect, which are the Spurs and the Grizzlies. They've played the fewest games so far, so stands to reason they're going to play a crap ton of the rest of their games in the second half to finish up. As we look at the schedule, it came out at the end of February. We've had a little bit of time to digest it. And I understand I'm rambling on and I apologize. What is your biggest takeaway from this schedule? Do you think it's an easy schedule? Do you think it's a moderate schedule? Hard? Do you think it's fair? You know, seven back-to-backs, but the Clippers also have seven sequences of two days off between games, which is actually really nice for them to get practice time in. So uh, Shane, how would you evaluate this second half schedule as you look at it? You know, just looking at it, I think evaluate in one way is, you know, fair and good in structure, but hard in opponents, right? I think that's that's going to be the the overall theme from this second half schedule is going to be that homestand, which we'll talk about. It it's very loaded with prominent competition, play you know teams that they could see. Uh, in the Western Conference playoffs, potentially NBA Finals. So it's going to be, you know, teams that that are going to be measuring stick games for the Clippers at home, which is going to be good. But then, you know, even the road stands uh, or the road trips, I should say, like, you know, I just think I think the opponents are going to be tough for them as expected. The most teams in the NBA are really good now. You know, it's there's only a very few bottom feeders out there. So um, but I do like the structure. The league gave them a good proportion of back to backs. And, um, you know, as you said, like home stands and road trips. Farbaud, what was your assessment when you saw it, if you had one? I thought it was kind of hard. I mean, I think I remember it was like 55% of their games are going to be against teams with 500 record or better. And then like 30% are going to be against a top four team in the NBA. So it's like there's a real potential like for things either for fans to either be like, okay, I feel really good about this team or things to start getting catastrophic. So it's interesting because if you go off of Tankathon's remaining strength of schedule, the Clippers are 17th in remaining strength of schedule, which means um, they're in basically the middle of the pack. The team with the hardest schedule who's first is Houston. The team with the easiest strength of schedule is actually Utah. Is it, but is it, Houston, is it because Houston has the hardest schedule because they're like the worst team or everyone's better than them? See, okay, that's one line of thinking to look at it. The other line is... Utah literally played the toughest schedule in the first half of the season and still had the best record in the NBA. So you can have a tough schedule and still be a really good team, 
or you can just have a, a tough schedule because you're bad. Houston's having it because they're bad. The Spurs are a solid team. I believe the Spurs are like fi- uh, fifth or sixth or somewhere around there. They're oh, they're seventh. They're seventh. I'm sorry. They're seventh in the West. You know, but they're 18 and 14. They have the second toughest schedule remaining. Uh, some of it's because they have to play 40 games. But, you know, that's based on opponents winning percentage and it's still that high. Um, the Lakers are a really good team. They have the seventh toughest schedule, according to Tankathon. Uh, Toronto's eighth, Portland's ninth. So, like, you know, th- these aren't easy schedules. The Clippers are a little bit in the middle of the pack towards the lower end of the spectrum. They're right there with, like, Boston and such. Um, the interesting thing to me, though, is the seven back-to-backs, um, you look at them and it's like one of them is obviously – New Orleans on the road and then Dallas on the road. But then you get a back-to-back with both games in in, uh, San Antonio. You get a back-to-back at home against Milwaukee, then Orlando. You get a back-to-back at home against Phoenix and Houston. You get a road back-to-back with Indiana, then Detroit, and then uh, at Portland, and then you're home from Memphis. And your final back-to-back of the season is at Charlotte and then at Houston. But these are not like travel nightmare scenario back to backs, which they didn't even really get in the first half of the season. Like the first half, they did not have nightmare back to backs, really. So it's nice to see those kind of things kind of stay streamlined. And as Shane said, fair. It's it's very fair. I think it's balanced. You know, you end up looking at the, at the Clippers schedule and you start like Thanos. Oh, please stop. It's Thanos. Come on. What are we doing? Thanos. Thanos. How many people did I just trigger? If I triggered you by saying Thanos instead of Thanos or whatever, send me a send me an at on Twitter. I want to know how triggered you are about it. Oh I'd also like to mention that it, uh, you know, the worst team in the NBA. I guess not by record wise, but by recency wise, the the Rockets. Three times, all three meetings against the Clippers in the second half of the schedule it could be good for LA. And all three meetings are uh, start on uh, start at April 9th. So like the last month of the season, the Clippers get them three times, which should be three nice little it, games, which, by the way, they also play Detroit April 11th and 14th, which could be two more wins. That's actually Shane, you brought it up far about. Did I cut you off for something? I felt like I cut well, you off. No, what I was going to say is going to be interesting to take note of, too, which is always hard to predict at this point is like certain teams might have harder schedules or what have you or easier schedules, but then like, what if they face the jazz at the end of the season and then the jazz are a lock for the first seed. So it's an easy game for them. So it's like, it's hard to gauge that part. So yes. And that's actually what I want to talk a little bit about that. And a little bit about Shane bringing up the fact that they're playing like Houston and bad teams uh, a little bit towards the end of the schedule. There's some real interesting stuff here. So Oklahoma city is 15 and 21. They've already played Oklahoma city twice. So they only have one game remaining, but that one game it's the final game of the regular season. And the game before that is against Houston, which is, it is on the second night of a back-to-back, but Houston's very bad. And they're going to be trying to, you know, position themselves for uh potential top four odds in the lottery. The game before that is at Charlotte, which Charlotte is potentially playing for a playoff spot. If not a top six seed, they're, they're a solid team. And the game before that. So this is the final four game road trip is against Toronto and Toronto's good. Um, the back part of this schedule the last like 10 to 12 games are not easy. You know, uh, New Orleans, while their record isn't great and they're uh, they're 15 and 21, which is the same record as OKC, they could be theoretically in the race for a play in. But it basically here's what it goes uh, at Houston, at New Orleans. Those could be two wins at Phoenix is tough. 
Then you go home games against Denver, Toronto, Lakers, Knicks. Those are four potential playoff teams, if not high-level playoff teams. Uh, yes, including the Knicks. They are not an t- easy team to play. And then you go at Toronto. So those games are not at all easy outside of the top two. But then the final two to three end up solid. But the reason I want to bring this up is because you look at this nine-game homestand, and Shane, you said this is against like really good competition, and it is. They go nine in a row against Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Orlando, Denver, the Lakers, Portland, Phoenix, Houston, Detroit. The final two games are by far the easiest two games with a little dashing of Orlando in there. But we're talking the team with the best record in the East, the team with the third best record in the East, uh, Orlando, who's obviously not good at this point. But then we're talking Denver, who's sixth. We're talking the Lakers, who are third. Portland, who's fifth, who the Clippers could play in the first round. And then Phoenix, who's second. Like, these are all top six seeds. This is not an easy stretch. And I don't know what their record's going to be during these nine games, but they need to be healthy because this is the time when you're home for literally almost three weeks to make up ground. You know how some mornings you wake up and you just feel ready to, I don't know, pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep? No judgment, of course. I do it too all the time. But let's make having the most comfortable sheets in the world the reason why. Don't love your sheets? Brooklinen has you covered. So, Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that did not cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000, yes, 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products, they even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. A full year's worth of a guarantee. And Brooklyn is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code CLIPS to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B R O O K L I N en.com and enter promo code clips to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping brooklinen.com and use promo code clips at checkout yeah something farbod brought up earlier i think it's important is you could potentially look at April 1st through April 8th, that seven-day period there. Let's say the let's, if the Clippers go 4-0 in that stretch, you have the national audience, you have every, you know, I guess, platform talking about how the Clippers just proved their dominance in the West against good Western Conference teams in four straight games. If they go 0-4, you can imagine the headlines. You can imagine how many people will be, you know, uh, having their pitchforks up in the air, wanting them to make roster changes, which they can at that point because the trade deadline will be gone. But um, 
And, you know, so that that one week stretch for me is what I'm looking at in, in terms of proving their dominance or their status in the West, I guess. I mean, their their next seven games aren't that hard. And then after those seven games, it gets it, that's when it gets to that hard point where it's like Philadelphia, Milwaukee, et cetera. But it's like if they don't do well in these next seven games against like the Golden States and the Hornets and the Pelicans, like that's not a good sign. Because like that's this is as easy as it's gonna get for a while. They're tr- the trade deadline's what the twenty fifth, twenty fourth. Yep, twenty fifth. Twenty fourth. You're right. You're right. Twenty oh, fifth. I don't know. I don't. Ever since it's not in February, I I didn't. I just didn't look at the date. I just. I th- <laughs> at first I thought it was the twenty seventh. I just said twenty fifth. Um, they're in San Antonio that day, and as we've seen, the Clippers like to make deadline moves. So maybe their roster will be a little bit different. Uh, in that game, that second night of a back to back against the Spurs. But Farbrod, you're right. Like these next seven games are the time that the Clippers need to uh, maybe not make up some ground, but put a stamp on it. Like any, I would even say the next eight games because they, you know, they play the Spurs two games in a row. Um, you know, Golden State, New Orleans, Dallas, Dallas, Charlotte, Atlanta, San Antonio, San Antonio. I'm not going to say they need to go six and two, but if they go at least six and two, maybe seven and one. I think the perception is that they're figuring things out. I think anything less than six and two, I wouldn't say is cause for concern, but is like now your margin for error is very low against all these better teams you're facing. I would, I would argue that it also depends on how, like if they go five and three, I would also argue it's how they got to five and three. Like was someone missing was, you know, were a couple guys injured, like things like that. Well, I mean, there's always that, but when I say margin for error, I just mean like standing wise, like you, you you don't have that much room to lose. Like for instance, like if you lose to the bucks, like in a normal scenario, it's like, eh, it's okay. Like the bucks are good. You can expect to lose that game. But if you go five and three in this stretch, like those games that you think they might expect to lose, you know, like against the Bucks or the Sixers, like suddenly you start needing to win those because then you're like one game away from the seventh seed. And that's where it's like, OK, now that now the margin for error is really low on terms of the standings. I'm just really looking forward to the Philadelphia matchups like <laughs> like more like the Doc River stuff is is so compelling, but it's it's also like. Man, Embiid, I, I just I, I want to see the Clippers defend the MVP of the NBA. And that right now that's probably Embiid. And it's like, good Lord, man, like the Sixers, the way they stack up uh, with their with their units, I think would be just really awesome, fascinating basketball. Because you remember last year, it's like, you know, Shake Milton goes for like 70 points <laughs> against the Clippers. Oh, my and God. Then that game. You, that you game said his ended. name. You said his name. And I literally started shaking. Yeah. Hey, I tweeted at the start of that game. I remember I was like, this seems like a random game. I was like, this seems like a game where a random guy's gonna go off like Shake Milton or something. And every reporter was like, dude, what the f- what did you do? Like, why is this happening? And everybody started giving me crap. It was like Nikhil Alexander Walker this year. What the <laughs> hell was that? <laughs> and he didn't get playing time again. Well, at least Shake got playing time now, but like Alexander Walker just doesn't get playing time anymore. That's true. Um, Shane, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shane. You, you didn't even finish uh, your point. Oh, no. I, I guess my point was just like, I I, I really want to see how they do against uh, other, I, I guess you could say, you're, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but against other finals competition in the East. So, you know, we've seen Milwaukee, We you know, that, that drums have been beaten a few times. Uh, I, I just think we haven't gotten a, a really good 
full strength Sixers Clippers since Kawhi and PG came. I think maybe that game in Philly last year when I think that was Marcus Morris's first game or, or second game. So like, you know, we haven't really seen uh, the full strength Sixers Clippers. I, I can't wait to see that. Well, I'm going to give a hell of a speech. I will tell you that. <laughs> There might be some f bombs in that speech. Jeez. I don't mean to bring up. I don't mean to bring up the Lakers on this podcast, but I got to be honest. This is the first time I've looked at another team's schedule for the second half of the season. There is an insane stretch for them in here. Uh, it starts April fourth. I mean, technically, actually, excuse me. It starts March thirty first. Uh, versus Milwaukee, then they go on the road, and these next few games, I'm just going to say, are all on the road. Sacramento, Clippers. Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, New York, second night of a back-to-back in Charlotte. Then they come home to get Boston, Utah, Utah, then go on the road for Dallas and Dallas again. Woo-hoo. That is there there are some absurd stretches in the second half of the schedule for every team. That is a wild one. Did you did you all hear about the Spurs thing? Did you all hear about that? No, what Spurs thing? 40 games in 73 days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them and Memphis have to play the most games because they had the most postponed. That's like uh, pop might like pop just might. Pop. I don't know. <laughs> you might pop from, from this 11 back to backs, man. Whew. Have you have you been in a pregame with him? Like actually like watch their pregames? Well, I've been in one this season, obviously, with them, but uh, I didn't ask any questions, but I was in. Neither did I. I. You know, funny thing. He came to Indy one time and I was like petrified. I was standing maybe, you know, four feet away from him. But and I wanted to ask about like, you know, Kawhi at that point. He was still in the Spurs, uh, but I was too scared. I couldn't do it. Um. So he I, I can say this, like you said, you had it in person. I felt it over the Zoom where I'm just watching and I was absolutely terrified to raise my hand to ask him a question. Not because of like, I was terrified of the guy. I was like, there's like an aura. Yeah. Like, like there's like this aura with him where it's like, if I ask something stupid, that might be the last question I'm ever allowed to ask anybody anywhere. So yeah, yeah it's, it's wild. Like, I just, I just wanted to know if you, if you'd experienced that and obviously you have, but you did it in person. Well, so. it, it, and if he doesn't like it, then, you know, like there, there's always a chance that you ask him a good basketball question and he, and he really finds it delightful. But I've, I, I have heard people ask him basketball questions and he looks at them and says, you really want me to give you a full breakdown right here? So it's like, you know, like what, what, where's the win-win scenario there? Like you ask him a good question, but he doesn't want to answer it. Honestly, just interviewing opposing team coaches is kind of a hassle though in the arena, like before the Zoom conferences, because you would do your coach and it would be in the press conference. So it's easy to ask a question. And then when you get to the opposing team coach, there's like this massive huddle in a hallway. And if you're not right in the front, you're not going to get anything. So it always dissuaded me from even attempting. Like, I don't think I've ever asked an opposing team coach pre-COVID era a question because I would just get over it every time that big huddle would form. Yeah, No, it's understandable. Hey, Justin, how about like, you know, in speaking of the Spurs, like, did you expect them to be here? Like, I, I kind of I kind of thought they'd be like a 30-win team at the end of the season and down in the 14th or 13th spot. I didn't expect them to be here. So it's funny. I expected this season from them last year. That's what I felt yeah. too. I thought last year was like they're going to win about 50, 
And like, we're just going to be like, what the hell happened? Like, how did this happen? Kind of thing. Um, this year, I find them absolutely entertaining to watch. I think that Jakob Pertl, I think DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name. Uh, the other young guy that they have. Derek White's pretty good. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Derek White's good. I just blanked on Kel- someone Kel- else. Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson. I love Keldon Johnson. Um, which is funny because I forgot his name, I guess. I don't think um, I'd want to face them in the playoffs, man. You know why you don't want to face them in the playoffs more than anything? Addy Mills. Well, first off, <laughs> yes. Secondly, there's something with pop teams like this team that's actually like young. Like, so obviously everyone knows DeRozan and Aldridge and everyone thinks they're this veteran laden team, which they do have veterans, but then they're young. And those are the teams you don't want to play. Like those young, we don't know better teams. Those are the teams who will give you some problems. And so I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to deal with it. By the way, Rudy Gay been really good this year. Yeah, you went on a tweeting spree about Rudy Gay, didn't you? Yeah, I felt really weird about that. Uh, for those who don't know, Rudy Gay is now the all-time leader in NBA history among players. Uh, what else? Yeah, all-time NBA leader in minutes played by players who have never once appeared in either an All-Star game or a Christmas Day game. Do you have, a, I, do you have a Mount Rushmore of players who have never made the All-Star game? A Mount Rushmore? I don't know. That's tough. Uh, that was the question I asked all the players the one time I went to an All-Star game. How are they going to know that, though? Like Everyone's probably like Mike Conley at that time. <laughs> it was like him and Jamal and like Lou. I mean, yeah, those would probably be the guys. You know, you know who you know who I would actually say Jason Terry. Oh, wow. The, the yeah. one I forget every time is CJ, because I always think CJ's already been an all star, but he hasn't. Yeah, that's true. I ran across someone. Um, oh, my God. I got to remember who it was, where it was like they played like a ton of minutes. And I just remember going, like, oh, they had to have made an all star game. and They never did. It was uh, I don't remember. It was, it was, it was oh, damn. I, I'm really trying to remember right now. Meanwhile, Chris Kamen <laughs> is an all star. Yes. That was a 20 and 10 year, wasn't it? Yeah, he yeah. was actually good that year. Um, but going back to the second half of the schedule, is there a record that you think the Clippers finish? Like, let's assume, and we can't really do this, but let's assume it. Let's assume they have good health in the second half of the season. There's also no stoppage. They get to 72 games. What do you think their final record is, and where do you think that puts them seeding-wise? And I'm going to start with Farbod. Start with somebody else because I don't even know what the, like the final number is. So I need to hear somebody yeah, else. I, 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 I was actually doing it as Justin was okay. was asking. Ahead, so you know, I, I think that they could finish uh, above this. I think they could finish uh, well below this if if they don't if they don't finish that uh, that home stand well enough because at, you know after that home stand they go on the road for a bit. So I think forty nine and twenty three is where they're going to finish. That would, be, that would be my pick. I might be a little bit optimistic considering they're on pace for 46 right now. So I think they'll over, I think they'll outperform that uh, throughout the second half just because of the lack of back-to-backs and stuff. So 49 and 23, and it's going to piss me off. I'm not going to lie because I had them at 51 wins before the season and had them in the Lakers at 51 and 54 respectively. So, so you have them going 25 and 9 in the second half? Wow, if that's the math, then good lord! <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, well, that's what I'm going You said forty nine and twenty three, right? Yeah, that's going to be my final record. Yeah, so that's uh, twenty five and nine. Yeah, that feels scary. Feels intimidating. Not going to lie, doesn't it? It feels it yeah. feels scary, and then you realize that's just two fewer wins than Utah had in the first half. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> 
uh, Farbod, you got you got one. Uh, maybe like forty five wins, but like I think they, I think if if they get the third seed, I think I would be comfortable with it. If I if they get the second seed, I'd be happy. Uh, but Phoenix doesn't seem like they have that hard of a schedule, and I think uh, third seed, I'd be comfortable. That's what I would. That's what I would go with. Yeah, I forgot gonna, about the seed. I'll, I'll go second seed. I forgot about that. You think they? You think they leapfrog the Lakers and? Well, I mean, the Lakers and them are basically even. But you think they yeah. leapfrog Phoenix? Yeah, those, I, I think, think they leapfrog Phoenix. Well, those two games against Phoenix are going to be just incredible. Like you know, if they win both of those, they win the tiebreaker. And if they win one, they win the tiebreaker. So I think they have a chance to do that. Yeah, that's that's true. I, that's the thing I, I always have to remind myself. Like it's only three games. Like so, if you win the first two, you have the tiebreaker. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like. You don't have to worry about it. And that's where Utah is with the Clippers at this point. They won the first two, so the third game didn't really mean as much, you know, tiebreaker-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, 34 games. I'm going to say they go – I'll say they go uh, – you have them 20 – what do you have them? Oh, my God. I, I 20, <laughs> 20 – let's see. Um, you have them 25 and 9. Yeah, I'll go – I'll go 24 and 10. And so they finished what 48 and 24, which mm-hmm. to me is a very respectable number for the season. Um, it puts them at, on a, you know, that's them winning two thirds of their games, which over 82 games is a 55 win season, which is really good. Like those are good seasons. I think the second half for them is fine tuning. They're going to try to fine tune the little things so that they can get ready for the postseason. Um, Ty Lu said himself only about 25% of the offense has been installed. Uh, same thing f- mostly with the defense. Um, seed wise, I'll say they finish third. Uh, just so everyone's aware. No one's catching Utah. Let's put that baby to bed right now. <laughs> They'd have to yeah. lose like five straight for anyone to catch them. I mean, they're, they're already have hey, lost two in I, a row, but you I know. think, I think people haven't understood. They've only started three lineups and they're 30, six games that's 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 phenomenal health so maybe they do get some unhealthy uh you know it it is always a possibility because it felt like that first half of the season they were really fortunate not only everyone they went against in the top teams whether it was philly without joel and b the clippers without uh kawaii and pg the lakers without anthony davis the bucks without drew holiday like Every single team, something just kept lining up their way. So I don't know if things change, but at that point, you've already faced the teams. It's done. So you have a easier – even if you miss guys, you're playing easier teams, so it's fine then. Yeah, they're playing the easiest schedule. So stands the reason they get to fatten up on some of those teams. I was going to ask you all something. I want to ask you all something. Go ahead. Um, is the world going to burn if it's 4-5 Lakers-Clippers? Yes. Yeah. I think I, so it, won't, it won't be four or five, but and, I mean, if, it if, if Anthony Davis has to miss like more time than the next few weeks, like, holy hell. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't mean to be this guy. I don't trust Portland. Me neither. I don't, I mean, I guess the team would be Denver. I mean, and Dallas has played really well of late, but that's a lot of ground to make up for a lot of these teams because we also have to remember, like, the games that got postponed, the Lakers and Clippers didn't have games postponed. So 
the ground is harder to make up for the teams that have to not only make up extra games, but now if they're even with them in the loss column, it's a lot harder to get a win than it is to, to lose. So you'd rather like if you're the Lakers and the Clippers, if you're even in the loss column with somebody and that team has three games to make up from uh, compared to you, odds are they're going to lose one of them. So uh, the Clippers and Lakers at this point and, and Utah, cause they're at 36 games are basically playing with house money at this point. Yeah. Good point there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus to be fair to Utah, what the hell is there to do in Salt Lake city at this point? So <laughs> wow. Like taking they're... shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably, uh, every... probably everything right now. I mean, probably. Yeah. I don't want to get on a tangent, but yeah. Um, so we're all kind of in agreement, like where, where they, We'll probably finish. Um, we were going to talk about if there's a, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Let's finish this. This how is there a team in the West that you do not realistically in their range that you do not want them to face in the first round? Maybe San Antonio. No, oh Denver. Really? All yeah, right. Denver. Shane. Well, like I just I, I don't I think Denver is going to be better. I think Denver is not going to be in the in the situation where they're going to play the Clippers. So I wasn't really thinking about them. But obviously, like you put Nikola Jokic against any team, you know, especially what he did against this Clippers defense, and it would terrify even Tyloo. So that that team would be the the team to look for. But um, you know. I would feel pretty comfortable with this version of the Clippers against this version of the Mavericks. So it's not them. I would feel really comfortable about that. Uh, I'm just going to cop out and say San Antonio, uh, well-oiled machine coaching wise. And as you said, Justin, I'm not fearful of the Blazers. I, I just don't think that the Blazers could even have a prayer of guarding Kawhi or PG. Um, we saw that story, uh, what in December, I think late December, early January. Something like um, that. Yeah, so San Antonio by default. You know, I guess I guess Chef Curry comes into the mix, but they would have to probably win a play-in. And, you know, it, I just I don't think the cards will line up for Golden State, so I'd say uh, San Antonio. Man, you know, San Antonio scares the crap out of me from a potential series standpoint for one reason. Their second unit is so good yeah. that it'll destroy the Clippers' second unit in those minutes. And yeah, that'll just and like I just don't I don't trust me. I don't trust any warrior not named Steph. None. So true. That would be it. All right, folks. We thank you all for listening. This is been finished with one thing though, Justin. Oh good lord, go ahead. Hot take of the week. I need to hear it. Your battery's at ten percent. This okay. Ten hot take of the week. My battery's at nine percent, first of all. Yeah, see? See, hot okay. Take of the week. I need to hear it. I don't have a hot take this week. Okay. I think Oh, don't yeah, peer pressure him. You need to go so I can think of one. You go first. One division, six out of ten. Whatever show. Oh wow! All right. Also, um, I watched that movie. I care a lot, and that was the worst movie I've seen in five years. Which one's that one? Rosamund Pike movie. Okay, I need to watch that. Um. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hot take of the week. I'm ready for the second best sport in the world to come back this coming weekend, which is F1. I'm pumped. 
okay. I mean, you have some stuff to talk about, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I, I would say <laughs> my hot take of the week. This might get me kicked off the internet, but Forrest Gump is the greatest movie of all time, hands down. That's fine. That's a fine take. That's a okay. great movie. I always That's tell people, if you don't like Forrest Gump, you're just kind of an asshole. Yeah. Um. Oh, you know, I do have a hot take, actually, beyond just the F1 thing. I just had nothing. Uh, the Apple TV Plus series for all mankind is probably a top 10 TV show. And like three people have watched it. So wow. and I'm one of them. So I would urge more people to watch it. It's an alternative history movie. And I think or a series. And I think people would absolutely love it. It's what happens if the Russians got to got to the moon first. And it's really dope. A What's lot of stuff changes. <sighs> what happened? What's it called? For all mankind. Okay. Um, basically, like a bunch of uh, timeline stuff gets changed. And one of the cool things is they're, they're on their second season. And one of the cool things that they did is on the Apple TV Plus homepage for, for the show. If you go on there, it shows you what happens in the 10 years between season one and season two, but like some of the stuff in history that got changed, like John Lennon doesn't get killed. Um, and like, so it's like just wild stuff, just wild stuff. It's so fun. So I would urge more people to watch it. My hot take is it is a top 10 show and no one watches it, but they need to. All right. Are we done? We good far, Bob? Yeah. What are I you mean, at? I'm at, um, 8%. Okay. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us on this three-day-long odyssey. We hope you all enjoyed. Um, Farbon and I will be back uh, in a couple days, probably like Tuesday or so. Um, we will see you all later. Everybody, take take it easy. Stay safe. Social distance. Wash your mask. Tell your family you love them. Shane, thank you for joining us. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Yep. Farbon, love you, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>